Mali's al-Qaeda-linked militants say they planned to either assassinate or abduct President Hassan Sheikh Mahmoud when they attacked the presidential compound on Friday. At least 11 people were killed when al-Shabaab militants blasted through a gate with a car bomb and fought a gun battle with guards at the heavily fortified compound. Mahmoud was unharmed in the assault. In the past few weeks, the Somali capital of Mogadishu has been hit by a series of suicide bomb attacks claimed by al-Shabaab. They were pushed out of the city in mid-2011, but continued to wage a sustained guerrilla campaign. Egypt's top prosecutor Hisham Barakat has accused former President Mohamed Morsi of passing state secrets to Iran's Revolutionary Guard. Barakat says Morsi and 35 other members of the Muslim Brotherhood were conspiring to destabilize the country and were cooperating with foreign groups including Palestinian Hamas and Lebanon's Hezbollah. Morsi appeared briefly in court for a hearing yesterday, the second in a trial which began this month. The next hearing is set for this Wednesday. Uganda's President Yoweri Museveni is expected to sign a controversial anti-gay bill today. The bill is popular in Uganda, but rights groups have condemned it, where homosexuality is already illegal. The law punishes first-time offenders with 14 years in jail. It also sets life imprisonment as the penalty for acts of aggravated, aggravated homosexuality. U.S. President Barack Obama has urged Museveni not to sign the bill, saying doing so would complicate the East African country's relationship with Washington. Five bodies thought to be the remains of soldiers murdered over their allegiance to overthrow to overthrow Malian President Amadou Tomane Torre have been exhumed near the capital Bamako. According to a source, Yaya Karambe, the judge investigating war crimes committed during a coup in 2012 which plunged Mali into chaos, had the bodies dug up from two communal graves. The bodies were allegedly located during the interrogation of a soldier over the murder of Red Berets loyal to Torre. And finally, South Africa's police services or cult-related crime unit has warned parents to be aware of their children's behavior so that they are able to identify changes which could point to involvement in the occult. Last week, two teenage girls were found dead in what is believed to have been a ritual satanic killing in Dobsonville, Soweto, south of Johannesburg. Two boys, both aged 16, were arrested in connection with the incident. They attended school with the girls. They appeared in court on Friday and were kept at a place of safety over the weekend. They are back in court today. The unit's Ati Lambrecht. Different movements will illustrate um, different telltale signs. Hmm. I think a golden rule will, for example, be that your child becomes more secretive, more excluding you. The child is busy with things, but he or she doesn't reveal what it is that they are busy with. The child might, during a television program, you sit and look together uh, or watch this program, and the child will utter things that, that is irrational. It, it might be a bit more violent, a bit more explicit. The child becomes basically desensitized. Recapping the top stories, the whereabouts of ousted Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych not known, Egypt's former President Mohamed Morsi accused of spying for Iran, and Uganda's President Yoweri Museveni expected to sign a controversial anti-gay bill today.
African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. You still listen to African Dialogue right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We at 11.07 Central African Time. Remember, African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African Time. You're also welcome to interact with us via Facebook and Twitter, or you can simply SMS your views. It's plus 27-823-325-905, plus 27-823-325-905. Now, when France sent troops to halt violence between Christians and Muslims in Central African Republic, commanders named the mission Sangaris. After a local butterfly to reflect its short life, three months later, it's clear they badly miscalculated. Buoyed by a swift victory in the last year's war against Islamists in Mali, France's military predicted six months would be enough to quell sectarian conflict in the Central African Republic, which began in March when Muslim Seleka rebels seized power in the majority Christian country. Now, with the country sliding into what the top United Nations humanitarian rights official termed ethnic religious cleansing as Muslims flee northward to escape vicious reprisals by Christian militia. France faces a long fight with scant support from Western allies to stop the nation of 4.5 million people splitting into two. To look at the bloodbath and displacement of thousands of civilians, we're joined on the line by Dr. David Zunmano, who's with the Institute for Security Studies. We have Suleiman Diabate, who's the country representative of UNICEF in the Central African Republic. We also have Dr. Bongani Maposa, who's the Chief Research Specialist in the Governance and Security Program of Africa Institute of South Africa. And we also have Jens Pedersen, who's with Doctors Without Borders in the Central African Republic. Hello and welcome to you, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. You. Good morning. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, maybe starting with um, you, Dr. Zunmino, would you agree that it's ethnic religious cleansing that's going on in the Central African Republic? Uh, coming in, I didn't hear the question properly. I'm asking whether you'd agree that it's ethnic religious cleansing that's happening in the Central African Republic. Look, uh, good morning to you, good morning to the listeners, and good morning to other colleagues uh, on, uh, on the line. I think uh, if we entertain doubts about this concept of ethnic cleansing until now, what follows in terms of development and what we are witnessing um, from the TV screens and the different reports you're receiving point to that direction. I think the line is clearly drawn between the community living in that uh, community living in that uh, country 
and uh, the urge of violence uh, that has taken religious and ethnic line uh, uh, for me is creating a wrecking havoc to, to the country and need urgent attention from all the actors in, uh, in, involved. Bongani Maposa, would you term it as anything really, as ethnic, as religious, um, as maybe other, other things? Um, sorry. Uh, Bongan Maposa, I'm asking if you would um, term it as ethnic or religious or whether you'd also want to stay away from any term. Well, uh, good morning and good morning to all the listeners. Uh, really, it's a, a quite complex nature of conflict in the Central African Republic. We, we may give it different terms, whether, whether it's religious, uh, cleansing, uh, whether it's ethnic cleansing, but the issue here is that the nature of the conflict affecting Central African Republic is quite complex, and uh, it is driven by issues around, uh, you know, conflict over power, uh, conflict over, you know, economic resources, and the government's ability uh, to provide uh, for its citizens, and also. There are there are regional dy- uh, uh, dynamics, you know, around Central Africa having been porous to uh, lose ban- uh, to, to lose bands of uh, terrorist groups, including the Lost Resistance Army and other uh, terrorist organisations. So really, the nature of conflict in Sierra is quite complex. Um, Dr. Zunmano, who is Michelle Jotodia? Look, uh, Michel Jatodia is uh, so far a very unknown character, but uh, who has been also a very important actor in the political landscape of a uh, of Central African Republic for, for, for many years. He used to lead the movement called uh, Union of Democratic Forces uh, uh, in, uh, in, in Central African Republic, UFRD, uh, which he, 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 he led for, for some time. And uh, we've seen it uh, early last year. He decided to merge with uh, other movements, the CPGP and uh, the FGPC, which are all uh, uh, different uh, movements for various uh, ambitions. Uh, with the support, as of the previous speaker pointed, with the support of regional uh, partners, actually constitute what they call the Seleka Alliance. Uh, and a storm in Bangui to to put an end to uh, the role of, of, of Francois Bozizi. But Jotodia, uh, and we have seen it, has shown in uh, almost 10 months that he has no clue about how to run the, the, the state. And the, the coalition that brought him to power was in the position to even secure the, 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 the capital city and uh, leading to uh, the, the, the breakdown of uh, the, the, the remaining of the state institutions in, uh, in, in the country, forcing the regional actors to request for his departure and to see how to bring new leadership to, to Central African Republic. So uh, I think Jotodia uh, leadership, uh, or maybe uh, the, 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 what happened with Jotodia uh, is, uh, for me, the uh, kind of uh, prolongation of uh, the history, the political history of, uh, of Central African Republic, because since the 60s, the, the country has uh, oscillated between uh, political violence, mutinies, rebellion, 
as way to have access to, to power and uh, control of, of resources. And the Jatodia rise to power follow the same patterns. The question that many are asking today is whether South African Republic uh, political elite or citizens together with the regional partners and external actors will they find this opportunity to already lay the foundation for political alternation that takes place without violence in South African Republic. Jotodia has been offered the axiom in, uh, in Benin where he's staying, but his country is now uh, uh, facing serious security challenges both in Bangui and in other parts of the country. Mm. And Dr. Zunmano, the fears that um, Michel Jotodia is rearming his select rebels What's the international community doing to avert this, if it is actually true? Look, I think the international community has a very strong bargaining power upon him, and that's what they really use to force him out of uh, power, because it has become extremely difficult for him to remain in control of the movement on which he actually does not have any control. I think he, he was forced uh, uh, last year to promote the, 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 uh, the dissolution of, of a Seleka from his uh, palace. But what impact has that had on, on the movement? Uh, it, it led to the kind of uh, breaking away of the explosion of violence and the emergence of many centers of power or many selectors in, uh, in the Central African Republic that created a serious problem for, uh, for, for the authority. So the argument that he's responsible for gross human rights abuse and he will be held responsible was very powerful in, uh, in convincing him to step aside and allow the emergence of a new political elite. Now, if it is proven, and I think the colleagues um, on the ground from our Medicine Sans Frontier will, uh, will confirm this, if it is confirmed that he's a rearming of the Seleka rebels in the country, I think that will simply worsen his, uh, his case because nothing excludes the possibility for him to stand before the International Criminal Court for crime against humanity, and I think every evidence is pointing into that direction now. So I will take with caution the, 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 uh, the information that uh, he's a rearming the Seleka movement, and for, for perhaps uh, before I, um, I, 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 I shut up, it's very important that the international community itself really be for the peace mission program. And for me, that's the only solution that we, we can envisage to put an end to, to the ongoing violence and now start to see how we can engage in a robust demilitarization of, of the society. Suleiman Diabate, you with UNICEF in the Central African Republic, um, how many people have been displaced by this conflict? Suleiman well, Diabate. Uh, yeah, uh, with regard to uh, the number of displaced uh, population right now, you know, I might say that the number has uh, decreased uh, because the security situation is uh, improving. Uh, let me tell you that in a city like Bangui, you know, a month ago we were talking about more than 400,000 you know, uh, population displays in uh, uh, over 60, you know, sites. But uh, as of uh, uh, last week, you know, this number has decreased, and uh, we, we have around 300, you know, thousand people, you know, displaced. So uh, I, I might add also that... Uh, 
it is true that uh, you know the, the situation, the security situation is still is improving, but it is still fragile and very volatile. And Jens Pedersen, you are with um, MSF in the country. How has this um, has this crisis intensified the work that you're doing? Well, it's, it's, it's a, a very straightforward answer in the sense that as a, as a direct consequence of the conflict we are seeing in our clinics and in our hospital a, a much higher number of people wounded. And, and what we've seen over the past month is a changing pattern in these wounds. So, so compared to, to last year, for example, we are now seeing a, a much greater number of people coming to our facilities suffering from wounds inflicted by weapons as machetes and knives. Um, so so in, in, in very direct terms, we've seen a, a much increased number of wounded people. As explained by our colleague from UNICEF, there remains a very high number of people displaced, both in Bangui, but, but also we must keep in mind that people are affected of this conflict in, in the entire Central African Republic. Almost somewhere around 900,000 people in, in, in the country in total remain displaced and of course with this with people displaced from their homes in a Africa, Central African Republic where malaria is what we call holoendemic in medical terms which means that it's, it's present all year round as opposed to being a seasonal phenomenon um, people displaced in either uh, locations such as churches or, or mosques or school compounds uh, they are, are struggling to have enough water, they're struggling to have adequate sanitation facilities. And of course, with people displaced in the, in the open in, in some of these compounds, or even worse, a large number of people displaced into the, to, to the forest area of Central African Republic, people are exposed to the environment in a way that, that comes with uh, increased risk of, of diseases, malaria, um, measles, uh, other issues. And, and we also seeing on top of an already vulnerable nutritional situation in Central African Republic, we're seeing an increased number of, of children suffering from malnutrition. So in short, uh, it, it, it affects people and our patients in, in the sense that they are vulnerability to not only violence but diseases uh, is, is increased significantly. Mm. Uh, do you have enough like, resources? If I might have Okay, go ahead, Suleiman. If I might add something here, uh, let me tell you that before the crisis, the situation was not good in Central African Republic. Okay? You know, if we look at, you know, uh, the basic social indicators, we can, you know, say that, the, you know, the situation was really, really bad. You know, so this crisis, when it happened, you know, it, it, it destroyed everything. So I totally agree with uh, what my group of uh, MSF just said, you know. Uh, we have a lot of issues here. Let me tell you that, uh, you know, 75% of the displaced population are composed by children and, uh, and women also. And uh, uh, the thing is, uh, the rainy season is, uh, you know, in March, you know, I, I, I know we start uh, having the rain, and uh, we, we know that it will be really, really uh, terrible if uh, this population remains 
know, in the side. Because during the rainy season, we know that uh, we might have uh, the outbreak of cholera or things like that. But uh, let me tell you that uh, the situation is very fragile. I totally agree with what has been said. If, if I may just give one example, please, of, of what it is that, that our patients and our colleagues on the ground trying to provide medical assistance are facing. In, in, in one of the sites for where in, in Batangoa, where displaced people have sought protection, people are trying to get by on, on less than five liters of water a day, which is, is five liters to cover everything from cooking to washing to, to sanitation in an environment which is incredibly hot. Now, our listeners, I'm sure, can, can, can sympathize with that in the sense that five liters per person for a whole day is, is very, very little. As well, we are seeing patients who are hiding either in houses or we've seen people hiding in the bush as well, simply too scared and, and, and fearing too much for their lives to come out of the hiding places they are in to seek medical care. And, and those are the challenges that, that, that we are facing and, and, and we are trying to address as, a, as, as an assessment at the moment. Um, do you have enough resources as MSFians? Well, we are trying to do as much as we can. We have more than 2,000 colleagues working in the Central African Republic at the moment. Um, our services is, is a drop in the ocean, and, and far more is needed, which is why we last week called upon the UN Security Council, upon the African Union and international donors to to make sure and to, and to come through on their commitments that, that uh, adequate and, and I must emphasize highly, highly needed aid is being provided. As much as we try and as much as, and I can assure you, our colleagues are working incredibly hard, it's not enough and much more is needed. And, and there is only a part of it which we can do as, as one single organization. Now, coming back to the political situation, Dr. Bongani Maposa, there's an interim president, um, Catherine Samba Panza. How much do we know about her? I'm asking how much do we know about Catherine Samba Panza, who is the interim president of the country? Um, well, uh, nothing much is known in the region other than within uh, Central Africa Republic that Catherine uh, Samba Panza uh, has been um, a vocal civil society actor and who, within the existing circumstances, uh, was considered to be the most fair candidate to replace uh, Michael Jototia. And within the short period in which she has been in the office, uh, she has highlighted very important uh, issues around the country's ability to address the violence and conflict, uh, particularly around the country's inability in terms of resources and capabilities, which is an open call uh, to the region, the African Union, and uh, to the international actors, and all people uh, to come on board and uh, have, uh, you know, a a multi-concerted and a uh, uh, multi-focused program for the Central African Republic. And Dr. Zunmano, is she the right person to take the country to some stability? Let, uh, yes, go ahead. 
Um, that question was for Dr. David Zunmano. Yes. Look, I think um, there is still a long way to go for Central African Republic to get uh, some st- stability. And uh, uh, everybody is aware. I think there are three steps that are clearly defined. Uh, we have the, the, the Libreville Accord or the, the roadmap that has been um, elaborated by regional actors. But uh, uh, beyond that roadmap, I think the most urgent thing that I that I think is is is, is crucial is how quick the UN and regional actors move in really providing uh, sufficient base keepers for for the country at least to bring the semblance of of, of stability to the capital city because we vowed that even with the, the experience that uh, Madame Kadrina Pemasamba is is bringing in it will be completely fruitless to expect her to do anything without. The, the security. The first day uh, he, she, she met with uh, uh, the rebel armed forces, uh, I think she witnessed uh, some something that really uh, defied the situation across the, the country, the vendetta spirit, the spirit of vengeance that is now characterizing some African citizens, hunting down who is alleged member of Oseleka because they speak um, a different language, because they are from the northern region or because they look so different. So when you have a society that is broken down that, uh, in, in that, that way, you really want to make sure that at least key assets and the people's lives are, are, are protected. And that's what is not happening now. It's only last week that um, the Secretary General of the UN, Balkitmu, called once again on the UN members to really provide urgently the remaining uh, peacekeepers to really help to, to stabilize the country. And once this is on the, on, on the ground, perhaps uh, uh, they can really forcefully now engage in the demilitarization of the so-called anti-Balakas, uh, uh, those Christians who are now armed and ready to slaughter their counterparts, their, 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 their fellow citizens because they belong to different uh, ethnic or different religious organizations. So I think, for me, that's, a, that's a quite urgent and a preliminary before we can even talk about rolling out the political plan that will see the country hold the elections. And here again, I think France has to be extremely careful because the remedy of having a speedy election in, uh, in, 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 in Mali cannot be applied uh, 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 without taking into consideration the realities proper to Central African Republic. So calling for quick elections in Central African Republic might be to respond to legitimating, legitimizing uh, the authorities, but uh, the conditions need to be conducive for those elections to, to take place. Mm. Um, and Dr. Zunmano, the interim president, um, Catherine Samapanza, has said that um, her government is cash-strapped. Is there anything that can be done by a government that doesn't have money? And look, I think uh, the government without money cannot do anything, basically, and that's, uh, that's also another challenge. Resource mobilization is a key element. I thought that the international community will hold uh, kind of uh, at the table to mobilize resources. There was an attempt by uh, Congo Brazzaville at a certain time, but it didn't really uh, uh, live up to the expectation in terms of uh, mobilizing resources for, for the country. And uh, we know also that the, the, the government of uh, François Bouzizi, 
will not really leave anything substantial in the state to comfort to, to allow the government to undertake some of the action. So it really uh, relies on the international community to provide for the financial backup, the financial assistance that the country needs to respond to, to the need. And I think some countries are already uh, uh, showing solidarity. I think last week South Africa uh, offered 110 million uh, rand uh, to, to support the, the country. And uh, we also expect other countries to come to the rescue of the government, at least to get the salary to, to, to get the salary going to allow the government to discharge some of the day-to-day uh, activities, responsibilities, but also to motivate those uh, that are volunteering to help bringing back uh, 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 stability to, to, to the country. From this. So I think the challenge remains huge in terms of where the money is coming from to help the lady really to, to respond to the need of the people. Suleiman Diabate, I know you're not a political analyst, but you are in the country. So maybe if you can just tell us what the feeling on the ground about the new interim president, Catherine Samapanze, what, what are people generally feeling about it in, in the Central African Republic? Uh, and Diabate? Yeah, let, let me tell you, yes, uh, I didn't get clearly the, the question. Huh? I was saying that um, as much as we know that you're not a political analyst, but you are in the country and you're with UNICEF in the country. So I'm just asking you what um, the general feeling is from what you're picking up um, about Catherine Samba Panza in the country, in the Central African Republic. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, let me tell you first that... Uh, so UNICEF has been uh, on the ground, and uh, we have increased now the number of, uh, of, of staff in the ground. We are talking about uh, over 100 staff. We are talking about 150 staff. And uh, uh, let me also tell you that uh, we have a, a program of cooperation with the government of the African uh, Republic, and uh, uh, it is true since uh, we are living now in the protection crisis, but we know also that uh, we are suffering a lot uh, from uh, the lack of uh, funding. You know, in a country where, you know, since uh, four or five months, you know, the civil servants, they haven't been paid. So it is really uh, difficult, you know, to, to work in such a context. Uh, but, uh, uh, I know that uh, uh, the 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 interim president uh, uh, she, she 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 went around. I think she she's uh, really uh, pushing hard to to have you know with the African country and uh, with the African Union to see how to sort out this issue. And uh, uh, we hope it will be sorted uh, out. And we hope you know the civil servants will uh, resume you know their duties and. Uh, uh, and we will uh, continue, you know, delivering our program for the children and the women of Central African Republic. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with our discussion about the situation in the Central African Republic thereafter. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet, and satellite. 
From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. This is African Dialogue right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We at 11.34 Central African time and we're discussing the situation in the Central African Republic with Dr. David Zunmano, who's with the Institute for Security Studies in Pretoria in South Africa. We also have Dr. We also have Dr. Bongani Maposa, who is the Chief Research Specialist in the Governance and Security Program of Africa Institute of South Africa. He's also in South Africa. We have Suleiman Diabate, who the country representative of UNICEF in the Central African Republic, and we also have Jens Pedersen, who's with MSF's humanitarian, who's the MSF's rather humanitarian affairs advisor. Um, as we continue this discussion, maybe with you, Dr. Bongani Maposa, if you can just tell us uh, whether it's known where the whereabouts of former President Francois Pozizé are. Sorry, can you repeat your question? Is it known where former President Francois Pozizé is? Um, not really. It is not known where he is, not really. Uh, there are some rumors that uh, he is in the region. Uh, there are some rumors which uh, point to his presence in Cameroon. Uh, some also suggest that uh, he could be in charge, but they are, we do not have any precise, you know, point of location where he is right now, as we speak. Would you want to return, do you think? Well, uh, what I think is he, he may be within the region, um, in a safe zone, where he had his interest or where he had his profits stashed. Uh, that is where he is. Uh, probably in the Diara Congo, of course, there were rumors of his children, you know, in Diara Congo, but we do not have the precise uh, information where he is. Mm. And Dr. Zunmano, should he return, um, do you think that um, the the stability that the country seems to be reaching would continue, or would the bloodbath then return? Look, I think uh, there are high risk in uh, having a position return to to the country, and uh, and that's the concern for everyone. I think people are really thinking that he is somewhere. He is behind the anti-Balaka, uh, the the the, the, so, the so-called anti-Balaka, the this group of Christians, uh, the back of of whom is uh, what is called the the combatant pour la libération du peuple central africain, and I think the the level of equipment. And I think that they get actually pointed to Bozizé's action. True or false, I think it's quite difficult to prove at this particular moment. Now, if he has to be part of a solution, he will have to issue a kind of statement calling on those that are allegedly supporting him or receiving order from him to lay down their weapon 
to stop massacring uh, uh, people uh, and and then to to align with uh, the spirit of uh, reconciliation and 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 peace buildings but he cannot also be left without responding to some of the uh, problem that the, the the country has and i think it's time for central african republic to put an end to to, to impunity bozize missed a lot of opportunities to really help central african republic to emerge from a conflict since he came to power in uh, in, in 2003 I think uh, in the, pol- the political dialogue that was held in that country, the roadmap that was uh, put forward to, to, to him and uh, his uh, latest attempt to amend the constitution to, to stand. So he is uh, partly responsible for the collapse of, 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 of the, 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 the state, hoping actually even at a certain time that South Africa will, uh, will provide him the kind of backup and support that he needs to resist regional and external pressure on him to further democracy in, um, in, in his country. We know how this has, uh, has a turnaround. So definitely, I think Bozizé has a role to play, but that needs to be discussed uh, within the, the, the ECAS, the Regional Economic Community uh, uh, Framework, so that he will know clearly the kind of responsibility that he has to take, but also how he will be held accountable for some of the exactions that have been committed during his rule. Um, Jens Pedersen, as MSF, would you say you're, you're able to do your work better now that um, Francois Pozize is away? Well, it's certainly our experience from being on the ground, what we see in our clinics, and more importantly, what our patient is telling us is the situation remains incredibly volatile. Although a small decrease, perhaps a number of displaced people in Bangui, uh, regardless of, a, of an interim government uh, and, and, and regardless of a political situation, to be very honest, we are still witnessing a humanitarian crisis unfolding, which remain by and large unaddressed in the Central African Republic. Now, in extension of that, we must all recognize uh, our responsibility in, in the sense that we have a responsibility to assist the population of the Central African Republic. Uh, politician has a, has a responsibility to create an environment where aid can be provided. And I think as South Africans and Africans, we have a responsibility as well in making sure that, that this doesn't carry on much longer, that the people, everyone's aware of what happens in the Central African Republic, and that enough aid, be it medical aid, be it water, be it shelter, uh, as we heard earlier, the rainy season is around the corner. Basically, much more needs to be done, and that needs to happen regardless of a political process, regardless of, of an interim uh, president, interim prime minister, um, something needs to happen to assist the people of the Central African Republic, and that has to happen now. Dr. Zunmano, you mentioned earlier about France's involvement in the conflict. Why is France so involved in the Central African Republic? Look, I think there are two ways of looking at uh, France in, uh, in involvement. Uh, there is a period of hesitation and a reluctance to be involved, which uh, actually characterized the beginning of, uh, of the crisis for the obvious reason that France was already deeply involved in Mali, you know, fighting the ACMI, the Al-Qaeda in the, in the Islamic Maghreb, uh, and Sardine, uh, the movement for oneness and the spirit of jihad in West Africa, some of those terrorist organizations that really wanted to uh, Mali and uh, use Mali as, a, as a, their safe haven to challenge 
the state authorities and the territories and the safety of people in, in West Africa, but also because of uh, the contradictions that are all generally uh, attached to French military intervention in, uh, in, in Africa. The second period for me was a moment of, of, of involvement, I think precipitated or maybe motivated by the fact that South African soldiers went to Bangui and then uh, uh, France realized that the, the situation is getting out of, of hand and then there is something that they, they have to do. But the French, French troops were already at the airport to secure the, 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 the airport uh, and then realized that if they do not really act, certainly the country will, uh, will see worse. It has come too late but they are still very instrumental for France to really stand for, for, for Central African Republic in the UN Security Council, explaining the, the gravity of, of the situation, mobilizing international attention on, uh, on, on Central African Republic, pointing even earlier at the eventuality of, of a genocide before everything uh, uh, that we are, we are witnessing now takes uh, take, take place. Uh, but uh, look, you should not also take this as a kind of altruistic uh, in, uh, in involvement. Central African Republic has been uh, the chasse garde and the preferred zone of, of France for, for many years. And um among the five presidents, I will say all the five presidents that has led the, that have led the, the, the country, France has its fingers in, in into their, their rise and their, their downfall. The most spectacular one being the ascension of Jean-Bédel Bocassa, who turned himself, transformed himself into an emperor with the blessing of France, but also who was deposed with all the blessing of, of France through the Operation Barracuda in, in that sense. So there is a kind of historical historical attachment, historical role that France has played in, in the Central African Republic, and many radicals in the CIR believe that the fate of the country, the poor development, the fragile political environment, and the rise of dictators actually owe much to France interference than anything else. We hope that uh, because of the changing uh, 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 environment, international environment, the regional environment, that the current role that France is playing in trying to mobilize support for peace in the region will usher in a new political and socio-economic dispensation for a country that has been unstable since the early days of independence. Mm. And Dr. Bongane Maposa, do French people actually agree with their government's involvement in the Central African Republic? Well, um, Despite the cleavages that uh, exist in the Central African Republic, there is a desire, you know, for working together. There is a desire for assisting those who are in the offices of power to discharge their duties well in terms of undertaking their responsibilities over their citizens. But, of course, there is a... Uh, a breakdown in the relationship between the government and the, the citizens. Uh, this mistrust on, um, you know, the politicization of uh, uh, ethnic groupings and uh, of religious uh, um, assembly. These spaces have been politicized, creating the breakdown between the citizens and, the, um, and those who are, um, are in power. But however, there is this general desire to work together and uh, forge a way to a peaceful resolution of the conflict. Jens Pedersen, maybe very quickly in 30 seconds, um, 
what are you hoping now as the as um, MSF in the Central African Republic? Well, we are certainly hoping that all the people that are using the strong language that we hear within the UN and we hear within the media come to the fore and react upon the use of such strong language of what's happening in describing, sorry, what's happening. Certainly, then we also hope that that the donors that have pledged funds will come forward and actually provide those funds available so that the people of the Central African Republic, they they get the, the aid and the medical the, the food, the shelter that is so highly needed and that they get it uh, now rather than tomorrow. All right, Suleiman Diabate, your hopes as UNICEF? 30 seconds, sir. Yeah, as I said earlier, uh, I, I think the main issue in car right now is uh, security. You know, and it is really important to, you know, to increase the number of uh, you know, troops on the ground, because we all know that 7,000 troops is not, uh, you know, enough to secure the entire country, uh, knowing that, uh, you know, the situation, you know, the, the, it is very fragile and uh, all the country have been, you know, hated by the crisis. So we need to have more troops on the ground, you know, so to bring back, the, you know, the security, in, in, you know, on the ground. So we can continue delivering our program. Yes. And uh, lastly, you know, the lack of funding. It is really important to uh, mobilize the international uh, community and the international solidarity and yes. to have, you know, the funding uh, so we will uh, reinforce our intervention on the ground uh, to save the life of the children and women of, uh, of Central African Republic. All right, thank you very much, sir. That's Suleiman Diabate, who's the country representative of UNICEF in the Central African Republic. On the line, we also had Dr. David Zunmano, who's with the Institute for Security Studies, Dr. Bongani Maposa, Chief Research Specialist in the Governance and Security Program of Africa Institute of South Africa, and Ian Pedersen, MSF's Humanitarian Affairs Advisor. Thank you very much for joining us, gentlemen. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. And it's time now for your economic news. Good morning. South Africa's power utility ESCOM has labelled partnerships with neighbouring African countries as vital and highly important. This as the country imports a substantial amount of power from countries like Mozambique. The power utility came under fire recently for diverting electricity to Botswana, while South Africa continues to face blackouts. Botswana is currently facing a supply crisis after two units at its power plant, Morupule, were shut down when boilers malfunctioned last year. ESCOM spokesperson Andrew Etzinger says through a a given, a give and take with neighbours, South Africa's own energy crisis is being solved. So if you think about uh, Mozambique, I can tell you that we import a substantial amount of power from Mozambique and we export power to Mozambique, but, but not to the same extent. So taking Mozambique as an example. So the Corabasa power station uh, in Mozambique supplies about 5% of, it, of South Africa's and Eskom's electricity needs. So without Corabasa, we ourselves would probably be close to load shedding on many days, and it's once again through the uh, power received from Mozambique that, that assists us. 
The Association of Mine Workers and Construction Union, AMCO, in South Africa has dashed hopes of ending its month-long strike. However, it says it is willing to give mining companies some leeway on entry-level wage demand on condition that it negotiates directly with the CEOs of South Africa's three biggest platinum producers, AMCO's president, Joseph Matunjo. The negotiating team has met with the CCMA and gave them the position or the mandate from our members, of which we are waiting for the response or the CCMA to communicate with the media with regard to that one. I think the question should be how these companies are prepared to change the lives of their employees. For how long should these employees going underground, uh, earning 5,000 rand a month? What is it? What can you do with such amount? So therefore, I mean, it's incumbent to them to, to change their mindset. Egypt has introduced a new draft investment law that will contain provisions to prevent third parties from challenging contracts made between the government and an investor. The clause is intended to reassure investors unnerved by previous legal challenges to such deals, some of which have left companies in a legal limbo after being sold by government. Since the uprising that toppled Hosni Mubarak in 2011, Egyptian courts have issued at least 11 rulings ordering the state to reverse deals signed by the former president administration. The draft must be approved by Egypt's president before it becomes law. Kenya is set to ban the use of cash in paying for bus fares. Instead, public taxi or matatu operators, as the taxes are known in Kenya, will have to use prepaid plastic cards or mobile money. Mobile money seems to be on the fast lane as the preferred method of bus fare payment. Sarah Kimani reports. A bus terminals in downtown Nairobi. Passengers are paying for a trip up countries, but no money is changing hands. Technology is taking over Kenya's public transport system. The Kenyan government is facing out cash payment on public transport vehicles, and Guardian Coach Services is way ahead of the July deadline. In our financial indicators, the U.S. dollar is trading at 10.90 South African rands, at 8.85 Botswana pulas, and at 5.74 Zambian kwachas. It's trading at 0.59 to the British pound and at 0.72 to the euro. On to commodities, gold is trading at $1,321 and platinum at $1,416 an ounce. And finally, the price of Brent crude oil is at $109.38 a barrel. And that's all for now. Here's Figile Lengwati. Here's your sport. In our sports update this hour, we're starting off with football news. World Football's governing body, FIFA President Seb Blatter, says video evidence should be used to punish footballers who dive, fake injuries or waste time. Seeking to eradicate cheating from the game, Blatter questioned why disciplinary bodies are not using existing rules to take retrospective action. Writing in his column in FIFA's weekly magazine, Blatter says video evidence can contribute greatly to fair play, providing the sports disciplinary bodies are prepared to use it and they should. 
Article 96 of FIFA Disciplinary Code states that audio or video recordings are permissible to mount disciplinary cases. And in athletics, the two warring factions at the Athletics South Africa have agreed to step down and pave the way forward for an establishment of an ad hoc committee that will run the sport for the next three months. This follows the meetings that the IWAF representative, Sheikh Tiari, held with the two factions separately this past weekend. He held a meeting with the majority of the ASA members and the interim board on Saturday and reiterated that they don't recognize them. On Sunday, Tiare met the embattled and outgoing ASA president James Evans and his depleted body of board's members consisting of Vice President Hendrik Ramala and Geraldine Pillay and declared a stalemate. Therefore, the solution we have accepted, I think, from both sides and on the proposal of the IWF is to create an ad hoc committee comprising an odd number of members, an odd number of members. Because if there were to be an even number of members, it would be, it would probably be more difficult to take certain decisions. When you have an odd number, you necessarily have some form of uh, majority and then the process can be, can continue to go on. Host nation, Russia finished on top of the medal tables at the 22nd Winter Olympics when they came to a close in Sochi at the weekend after 17 days of competition. International Olympic Committee President Thomas Bach officially closed the Games during an extravagant 130-minute ceremony. South Korea were given the Olympic flag as Pyeongchang hosts the 2018 Games. Britain equaled their best Winter Olympic performance with one gold, one silver and two bronze medals. And finally, with cricket news, the Coca-Cola South Africa Under-19s cruised into the semi-finals of the ICC Under-19 World Cup when they beat Afghanistan by nine wickets in Sharjah on Sunday. Skipper Aidan McCram scored 105 not out to lead his side to victory and, along with Kevin Christoffels, 56 not out, shared an unbeaten 158-run partnership for the second wicket. Afghanistan were bowled out for 197 with just one ball remaining of their innings. Their captain Nazir Agmadzai top scored with 61 with Usman Ghani and Insanula adding 36 and 30 respectively. The side now look to the semi-final on Wednesday where they will take on Australia whom South Africa lost against at the same stage in 2012 World Cup in Townsville in Australia. And that's your sport news this hour. Remember that African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday between 1100 and 1200 hours Central African time. That's all we have for you for today from Ms. Pomela Lezondi and the rest of the team. Until tomorrow, bye-bye.